0: The Telegraph. the Telegraph. Podcasts. Hi listeners, it's Louisa here, head of podcasts at The Telegraph and producer of Mad World. During this episode, you'll hear Bryony and her guest Joe reference National Suicide Prevention Day. It was actually a few weeks ago, but we delayed releasing this episode after the death of the late Queen. But of course, it goes without saying that here on Mad World, every day is Suicide Prevention Day. And we still wanted to bring you this conversation because we think it's really important. We hope you take something from it. Hi, Bryony here. Thank you for coming to listen to this extra one-off episode of Mad World to mark World Suicide Prevention Day. This episode does include conversations about suicide. So if you find that difficult, please be warned. But also, I just wanted to reference you back to a podcast we did in a previous series with Professor Rory O'Connor, who is an expert on suicide prevention. And it features loads of resources that can help you feel safe to talk about this topic.
1: Wait for a bit. And that's my key to those feelings that make you want to do something that's very hard to undo. Just wait for a bit. Um, That's never going to be on an inspirational poster. Tattooists don't constantly get asked to put wait for a bit in Chinese characters. But it has been a key for me.
0: Joe Trasini is an actor, comedian, and a champion magician. He is also frequently suicidal. Joe suffers from borderline personality disorder, and since speaking publicly about it, he's not shied away from talking about the darker sides of mental illness. Now he has written a book, Ten Things I Hate About Me: How to Stay Alive with a Brain That's Trying to Kill You, is out now, and I think it is truly groundbreaking. Joe,
1: welcome to Mad World. Hi, thank you. We'll be welcome about. The- wow, that we should call everywhere that. <laughs>
0: Welcome to the mad yeah, world.
1: Welcome to the mad world. I suspect your answer
0: to the first question that I ask every guest is going to be one of the most frank yeah. that, um, that I've had. The question is, how are you really?
1: Awful. 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 Are you, awful? Are you not awful? Are you not awful?
0: I'm quite awful at the moment. I'm quite yeah. I
1: don't ask that in a judgy way. It's just because I've got no frame of reference on how anybody could be anything other than awful.
0: I'm like full of ang- anxiety, like yeah. back to school September. Ang-
1: blah, 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 blah. I can't that speak. is a genuine thing. Yes. Yeah, no. Yeah. I, I know that feeling. That yeah. is yeah. I I, can't I am speak. constantly anxious. Blah, 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 blah.
0: The world is. I I don't know about you, but I feel like the world is constantly about to end. Yes.
1: Full stop. Yeah, literally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Once,
0: when, when COVID happened, I was like, "Oh, now you see what it's all like, everybody. This is what
1: my life has been like since I was nine years old." That's it. I remember I was I was living at Hackney, and I was on the phone to a panto producer talking about the script, and I was near a Tesco's, and I saw them queuing outside, and I said to, to Paul on the phone, I was "Like people are queuing outside Tesco's," and I could hear him start to, to panic that that was weird, but I just thought like. The normal people must be having a nightmare because like, this is weird, and because I, I feel like this all the time. Mm-hmm. So for that first like couple of months, I was very fortunate in where I was, like sort of geographically, and it wasn't fun, but it was so beyond anything that I could ever. G- given that I live in a reality that's that's consistently smashed in various different ways, mm-hmm. to see that the, the the one constant that was the real world become almost, uh, appeared fabricated to me, was was so scary I didn't feel it. Mm. And uh, uh, I feel it now. And I have a feeling that maybe, literally have a feeling, that I think I might be now experiencing my version of whatever normal people felt when it first happened. Yeah. Because I've had to, uh, I've worked out that I've got to adjust my level of okayness. There was a certain line that I had arrived at very, good just, just before 2020, where I was at, oh, okay, I might not die. Let's go down this road. And then it all shifted. So I have a feeling that this is as okay as I get. Awful is as okay as I get, and that's all right. Mm-hmm. I haven't got another option. I just had to stop waiting for things to come back. But well, I say things to come back. I just had to keep waiting. I was, I was waiting for my life to return. That's what I was doing. But my life doesn't return because, yes, things are open. Everything's open. All things are there. But I'm not the person that I was when uh, they all shut and when they all left and all of these things. So I was waiting for something that can't come back. Mm-hmm. So I've had to adjust who I am. Not intentionally. I've not changed. I've just looked at all of my like, personal, emotional, professional dials and gone, okay, we just feel differently now. Mm. So I am living in that sort of space of... of trying to straddle exactly what you just said about the end of the world um, and the fact that uh, even though I don't necessarily want to live in this world, I I, I shouldn't pick when I die in it. Mm -hmm.
0: Listening to you, it's like reading the book, the thing that... You're very clear on this in the book, that in a lot of memoirs about mental health, there's a kind of a very neat narrative, a beginning, a middle and end. And now I'm better. And the world is and you can be better, too. And this is going to make the book sound bleak because it's not because you're also very funny. And I kind of gulped it down in one greedy go crying and laughing as I went. But you're you're very clear that your life with borderline personality disorder is sort of constant depression it's like when you have tb you have a cough <laughs> you know yeah you always have it but also i mean you talk about so many different things so eloquently and so frankly you talk about the addiction that you 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 are an addict to cocaine and alcohol and how you thought that when you put those things down your life would get better and it was quite disorientating to learn that that wasn't the case yeah
1: yeah um i um i was never prepared up the end of sentence. again, the job is never prepared for, <laughs> for things. yeah, but I think that from the first time that I went to a rehab, I didn't know what I was expecting, but I certainly wasn't expecting to put any effort in. (laughs) They provide you with a problem and a solution. Mm -hmm. So whatever, like, well, they don't provide you with a problem. You bring your problem to them and then they go, "Okay, great. So if you want to fix the drinking, the drugs, that we have this. This is our system and this is what you go and do. And I was incredibly, um, what's the word? I was really, really uh, sceptical of it Mm -hmm. uh, for such a long time in that first go around the primary not least because the 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 hit rate of successes coming out when it's like it's like 27% of people stay clean and sober on their first go and i think that i really struggled i always really struggled with the meetings because i watched I, and i learned so much from them and from understanding that i just had a place in the world but unfortunately i still didn't feel like that place was in, in that room with those people in twelve-step meetings. Yes, yeah. and that and, and 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 the difficulty that I found at the time is the difficulty in finding any sort of uh, way of, of staying alive that um, that 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 was not in, in, in entirely around uh, something that I inherently struggled with, which was essentially being honest with large groups of people mm-hmm. in a room and. Be, and because of that, I struggled for years. I really, really struggled to get clean and sober for years because I because I couldn't do the meetings. And the meetings are amazing. And not being able to enjoy or, or get anything out of meetings became a, a reason to kill myself. Because I was like, see, even e- even that lot, even the people that have done all of the things that you have done, are still going. nah, you're unfair. here. And it took me a very long time to cope with that. And I. I It's a shame because I never had any friends. I never had any friends, and I could see people at meetings connecting with each other, and I just, I just never did. I never ever did. Well, which it, my sort of awareness of that at that time is where, where I sort of realised maybe I've got more happening in me that I need to address in conjunction with the drink and, and, and the drugs because the, the the drink and the drug solution is amazing and it works. But I still didn't, I didn't, I still didn't find like, I was like a bit of Meccano and Lego. Yeah. It was just like, like, we both got the same job. but just, just something about it just won't fit.
0: Yeah. You you talk about how you always felt kind of other and you always felt like, you, from in the book you, you talk about even from a very early age, you had an inability to fit in, even when you tried. So, for example, when you were told, you know, we're all going to wear a football kit to school tomorrow. And you went and you were like, I like red. And you wear a Liverpool kit. And everyone else is wearing Chelsea. And even then you're like, I don't fit in. And that sense has really kind of dogged you throughout your life. And I suppose alcohol and drugs were a way to kind of... Dampen and numb that down.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, 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 um, again, I, I know now I, I was not an unhappy child. And, and I, like, at the, at the time, I was not aware of anything other than what I was doing because that's just that I had no frame of reference. And I think that, um, I didn't know I was lonely, didn't know any of these things were a problem. And because I spent so much time on my own pretending that I was somewhere else, which I, I like, on stage or whatever it was that I was doing. My, my body, my subconscious, everything about me is geared up, poor choice of words, to um, uh, have a large amount of time between where I'm expected to be and where I've left, where I can't understand what, what anybody does in that time. Time between uh, work starting and finishing for me is like the week between Christmas and New Year's. Mm-hmm. Every day. Is that, it's like, what do, I, what do I do with this time? Because I'm just, I'm just here waiting to, for my reason to, to exist to start How again. do I sit by myself? Yeah, yeah. what do we do? How, how, how do we do that? So, so I, I, I look at that. I do see a lot of parallels in that from, from when I was growing up. When I first went to therapy, the first thing, he said, what do you want from therapy? I said, well, I don't want you to tell me that I had a shit childhood because I didn't. Fucking did. And I only learnt that. I only learnt that now. And that's that's you know that's that's it. There's nothing I can do about that. But I do find it takes a weight off of me slightly. Yeah. When I do sort of try and self reflect and look at how I am and how I've been, uh, to go actually, yeah, there's so much of this shit that is just reflective of, of, of what I did when I was eight.
0: Yeah. But also, I think when you're eight, you, your childhood is just your childhood. And there's very little reference point, as you said, for what is. So we normalise, we can normalise quite a lot of dysfunction. And it takes fucking decades to get to the stage where you go, oh, hang on, maybe, maybe that wasn't OK. And that wasn't normal. And that's in itself quite a big thing, isn't it? Like learning in your 30s or your 40s yeah. that everything you thought you knew is absolute bollocks.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's terrifying. Yeah, that, that like everything, everything was complete bollocks. And I didn't help myself because even though everything was bollocks, I then put another layer of bollocks on top of the bollocks. So it's like bollocks Jenga in my life. <laughs> so with like the alcohol and the drugs, you put the bollocks on. Absolutely. So,
0: so I remember someone saying to me when I got sober, they they said that what happens is you get so. Like, I sort of assumed I was like, well, when I get sober, everything will be better and all of my mental illness will disappear. It was obviously all caused by drinking and drugging, and and then it didn't. And actually, it got worse. And it was because I didn't have anything to numb out, and and I didn't have any symptoms solution but also I think I was so busy she said to me you're so busy putting out the fires that you'd set that night the night before or whatever that you had no ability to get to any of the stuff underneath if that makes sense
1: yes that's a really lovely way of putting it and I hadn't um that's a really lovely way of putting it because it is that it is that thing. Oh yeah, I was when I was in that, but I was doing the worst thing I'd ever done every week.
0: Well, you say yeah. there's a point. There was a point oh. where there was like three months where every day you do another worst thing. Yeah. The thing that really comes through and really landed for me was where you say that we have this kind of quite binary view of of addicts and of, of people that are they're just badly behaved and they don't know any better or they're you know they were brought up. But you say you've always known the difference between good and bad and right and wrong. And yet you've still done the wrong things. And that, as someone in recovery as well, that to me really summed up the, the problem of addiction and the fact that you know it's wrong, <laughs> as so often is, is is made clear in the book, makes it ten times worse. Like it would almost be better if you didn't know it was 100%, wrong. Hundred
1: percent, hundred percent. It would be so much better if I didn't, because that was the thing is because I was ignorant up until that first point. Now I went to a rehab to all of my problems, and again I thought I was getting away with it. I thought everything was fine. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I was like an alcoholic Scarlet Pimpernel. You know, I was getting away with shit. Yeah. And then as soon as you're provided another way, ignorance is 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 now a choice and 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 that is still one of the hardest things it's one of the hardest things to live with it is but it's also one of the hardest things to explain to somebody anybody with a level of honesty how that feels to be able to say i i i know this is uh, awful and i'm still going to do it which is a symptom i'm not excuse me, men, mental health it's not an excuse for bad behaviour, but it, it's, it is an explanation. That's, why it start, that, that's what started to get harder when I stopped drinking and doing drugs was the fact that I had no level of understanding how am I this awful. Well, like, I, I just assumed, because everybody had said, they're your problems. So the fact that, not only just a little bit, that I did the worst shit when I was sober and I was clean... And then coupled with you know the, the other ways that my brain got worse in in, in sort of within the, th- the three years that I was trying to stay alive sober but without awareness of what you had of what I had yeah because I and because uh, when I got diagnosed my, my my girlfriend at the time she said um. Uh, Because I phoned, I I was diagnosed, I remember phoning, I phoned her and I said, I've been to the psychiatrist and he said that I've got emotionally unstable personality disorder and within five to ten years with regular therapy it might improve slightly. And that was not the good news for somebody that's not expecting it. It was for me. For me that was like, oh shit, it's a thing, fucking great. It's a relief. Yeah, but at the time, personality disorders is such, again, now I know... It's such a difficult thing to bring to any relationship or room or just anywhere because it's got the word personality. The personality is, that's the thing that people see. The personality is the only thing that is available to a stranger or somebody that's prospective to be a, a, in a relationship with you. They they judge whether or not they want you in, your, in their life because of your personality. So even before I've like opened with, hi, how are you? If they know I've got a personality disorder, they're going to think, "Well, if your personality is disordered, probably can't trust you." So back mm. off. And I think that that's the conversation. So when you know when we we didn't talk about it initially in, in my my relationship years ago, because it was like, "Well, let's not look too hard at that," because you know your personality is the thing that I fell in love with. So if I'm wrong about that, maybe I'm wrong about this. And like that was that's that that's a quote. And th- like th- that was, that was I was like, whoa. So I did. So I stopped. So we stopped and, and got through. And unfortunately, I th- learned just how awful my brain can be. Mm-hmm. And uh, not just that, just how t- terrifying. So you
0: call you call your BPD Mick. Yes. Because Mick. you imagine him as like a big pair of Rolling Stones lips.
1: Yes, just well. shout and kill yourself all the time. Yes. That's literally it.
0: I think this is quite... Um, I call my or my sort of mental illness Jareth the Goblin King. It's David Bowie in Labyrinth yeah. because he's evil but ever so, but quite enticing, and that to me sums up that I be, it's believable. It's like I know, yeah. I know that he's bad. Yeah. I know that he doesn't want the best for me, and yet I cannot stop like listening.
1: Yes, absolutely, yeah, yeah. But that's the thing: all baddies are likable. Mm. That's the thing. You can like if you if if somebody makes you laugh you 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 trust them or or like you say or if somebody is engaging in that manner mm. in that sort of uh, but who's the
0: guy who what's the film American Psycho? Yes, 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 attractive.
1: Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. That's that's a 100% it. You know, you know dreams. You know how dreams feel real. Like that's that's mental. Mm. But I dream awake. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even like it would tell me things that weren't true. My life became, I, I, I began be, uh, sort of living a life that had three sections, which was the, the real world, the liminal space of leaving the real world, and a world that I I, I started to believe was real. Because my, my girlfriend went on tour, my ex-girlfriend went on tour around the country. And um, then I essentially created, I had the real world there with, with, uh, with my ex, and then... A fake world where I was putting on a magic show, mm-hmm. which, is, which sounds so shit. But I started unknowingly creating a world uh, that only existed in my head that I didn't tell anybody else about, okay. where I was genuinely doing a show somewhere and I needed to um, work on it. So, uh, I, now, I lost about six, seven months to this, uh, this weird reality, and it shows how terrifyingly clever and manipulative the worst part of my brain is.
0: And during that time, I mean, you talk about how that was the the worst thing you've ever done, which is that you you stole large amounts of money from someone to pay for the magic equipment. Yes. And that's clearly something that still causes you, I I could really feel the shame dripping off the pages when you wrote about that.
1: Um, Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for um, recognising that. All I can ever do is stop doing awful things. Mm. That's, that's the, the, the first and only step I'll ever take is just stop being awful. And then life stops being a mistake and it's just a list of things to work out how I can survive with. There's context. This is why I put it in the book. I put it in the book because I'm the only person that knows about the worst thing that I've ever done. Mm-hmm. And um, it's killing me. It is killing me. And literally, the secret, the secret, but like all of them, secrets keep you sick. All that, yeah, all yeah. Like, yeah. You know, put it on a fridge magnet, all that sort yeah, of shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the thing. But this thing, essentially, what happened was a, fr- a friend of mine. Uh, I I, t- I, t- I took a photo of her a uh, 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 bank card, mm-hmm. and I then used it, uh, and I'd sort of again in this weird reality where things weren't real, where I felt like things were real. Sorry. It's something that I used to. I, I'd done growing up. It wasn't a new behaviour. It was something that I'd done with my mum uh, that escalated as I got older. It was an awful thing to do, and because of the way that my head works, um, I forgot about it for about six months. I did. I, I did. I did that thing, mm. and then I stopped thinking about it entirely. I knew it had happened. I knew it had happened, but there was a numbness to, to the reality, which was. Uh, and every just every now and then, I'd just be somewhere, and, and my brain. And this is because this is around the time when Mick woke up. My brain would just go, "Remember you? You've done something bad, by the way. I don't know. It's not. Like, you've done. It, you know. You know. It's you know. It's not right. But just so you know, and then I'd forget about it again. And then eventually, when when the reality of it sort of came out, and I'd done this awful, awful thing, uh, one people just couldn't believe it. People just could not believe that I would do something like that, because. I'm, I'm me. and like How can you, how can you do that? And, and my ex-girlfriend at the time said, you have to live with this now. You have to live with the fact that you've done this. And it was the first time I'd ever considered having to uh, have a, 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 for consequences. I'd never considered consequences because I just knew I was going to die soon. There is a reason that I put it in the book. I put it in the book because whatever happens in any day, good, bad, indifferent, my brain tells me, About that thing that I did. I wish I hadn't done it. I wish I had not chosen to do that thing. Mm -hmm. But I know that there's a very real possibility that it's just me thinking about this now. Right. And with everything that is happening in the world, nobody wanted me to put this in a book, by the way. Really? Nope. Nobody. Nobody. Of course not. Me putting this in a book is like, it's like a turkey trying to sell Christmas. I don't want to say there's a reason that I've not been talking about this online. Yeah. It's because I've filled up a book with all of the things that make my life difficult to, to live. But the reason that I've done it is because I don't want to die and I'm gonna.
0: Uh-huh.
1: So if I'd put the worst thing I've ever done there,
0: yeah.
1: I'm now talking... About it for the first time ever. Mm-hmm. You are there, nice lady. Don't know you, but you know the thing. So my Mick in my head is like, "Hang on, what? Why?" But they don't. Don't tell them. Don't tell them the thing, mm-hmm. because it'll get worse. And then he starts shouting, "No, no! Don't tell them! Don't tell them! Don't tell them!" What are you going to do now, mate? It's it's in there for me, so that somebody like you yeah. can ask me about it, and I can tell you. Yeah. I tell you, I've actively spent like t- 10 years keeping these things secret. Yeah. And now I'm going to tell everybody and nobody asked. But I think that what's really, really important from the point of view of a book is that if anybody gets it, mm. if anybody has what I've got or they've got a family member that has what i got, where well, you just don't understand. I'm not saying that this explains it at all, but everybody has got a worst thing they've ever done. Yeah. I don't know what yours is. E- anybody, I don't know. But you've got one. And everybody listening to this is now thinking of a thing. That thing might not be a big deal for me, mm-hmm. but it is for them. I said the worst thing I've ever done in the book because we've all got one. And anybody like me is probably getting killed by it now. Yeah. yeah so yeah. the fact is, I can, I, I can never do anything worse than what I did then. And I've tried to live with it as a secret.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I can't. So, there's the worst thing that I've done. There's the worst thing I've ever done. Here is why. Again, the, the symptoms of BPD are not an individual thing. They're not rocking up into a classroom one at a time. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: It, it's 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 one clump of awfulness, and there's just one me as a teacher stood in front of all of those awful bits, and. The worst thing I've ever done is, is almost like a catalyst. It's, it's the big thing. It's the, it's, you know, it's the baddie at the end of Super Mario. Mm-hmm. It's like the, yeah, it's Bowser. There you go. Yeah, what a turtle. Um, and my point is, especially with everything that's happening, I've just never got to do anything worse. I've got to stop judging myself on that day. It, it, was, it was awful, but I have to stop because I can't have a life on the other side of it unless I, in some fashion, deal with it. So the way that I'm dealing with the worst thing I've ever done is I'm telling everybody that I don't know. So then hopefully somebody else might be able to do the same thing and then also doesn't die.
0: How does it feel to you if I say to you that I read this book and I have read all of the things that you've done and I've read about the worst thing you've ever done and I still think you're really lovely? Thank you. Because I get the impression that that is a hard... And when we talk about the worst things we've ever done, I, I wrote a book about getting sober and I talked about some of the worst things I've ever done. And um, and it was like a relief. It was like I wanted also, there was a sense of that thing of, of like, well, if you know this now, you know who I am because I always feel like with the head I have, and I'm sure this is relatable to a lot of people listening, that it's like you say to me, "Oh, you're really cool. You really like, you know, we like what you've done, Brian. You've, you you know, you've done all this campaigning." Da, da da da. I'm like, but my head's like, yeah, but you don't, you don't know this bit. If they knew that, then it would be completely different. But I think when you put that in a book, it's like, well, you all know that now. And it takes it away and it's like, fuck off Mick, fuck off Jareth, fuck off whatever the name of your, dis- you know, your your thing is. <laughs> it's like, because you can't, once it's out there. But it's also a kind of, I think this book, to me reading it, I just felt, I felt like at the points it took my breath away. You know, like you talk about wanting you know, your brain constantly telling you that it wants to kill you. And you know, I don't wanna go into too many of the details of the ways in which you tried to kill yourself. Yeah. But then there were just the other things of like the everyday in the addiction where you were I mean, you're fucking lucky to be alive. Oh my god, yeah. Like I am so happy that you're sitting in this studio and you're alive. Thank you. Like I am so, so glad. So like you do you're taking eight grams of cocaine a night at one point.
1: Yeah, that was, yeah, that's what it started off at, yeah.
0: Yeah, you you actually had a heart attack. Yeah, awful day. carried yeah. on, carried on doing it. Right? You, you, you had a third of your gums eaten away by acute necrotizing gingivitis. gingivitis. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. What from, a week. That, yeah. that from rubbing cocaine on your gums? Yes,
1: but it turns out it wasn't cocaine, it turns out it was rat poison. Of course. There you go. That's, that's, why wouldn't it be?
0: Kids, that's why you don't do cocaine. I've said that like it was alright <laughs> the
1: first <laughs> yeah, rat poison. Yeah, it would have been fine if I'd just been doing the gear. Jesus,
0: don't do drugs. Don't do drugs. Thanks.
1: Pugs, not drugs.
0: Nice. Uh, you, you know, you've ended up in court. You had your license taken away from you, and all of these things. I'm thinking, and they, and I'm not. I'm not listing them to go. Look, Joe. Look what a bad person you are. I'm listing them because it's like a. This is what we are humans. All of us are capable. And many of us are more capable yes. of, of, of these things. And yet still, you know, we go back to that, that, that wrong behaviour. Yes. Like, that resonated with me so much. If I could tell you all of, you know, I don't have
1: time to list all the wrong things I did while I was drinking and using drugs. No, and I really appreciate that. And as a genuine question, has this worked in the sense of what, you, what you're saying is that you relate... Yeah, to that, and then that—that that I can see bringing brought an emotion out of you. Yeah, and so that me putting down these things,
0: yeah, really what Like really, does it there were so
1: many things that you that
0: you admit to in the book that you know. I think a lot of us battle with brains that tell us we're bad, we're bad, we're bad, we're bad, and for me. That's been my whole life is like I feel sometimes like I'm the worst person in the world. This podcast about you, not me. But I think what this book does is it for me also in that stage of the journey of recovery (laughs) is realizing that actually... We're all a bit of good and bad. We yes. all do bad things and we all do good things and that's okay. And so I would punish myself. So I'd do these, I know these bad things were bad and yet I'd still continue to do them. And then I'd punish myself extra hard. And it's like, <laughs> I read this and I just thought, oh mate, give yourself a break. Thank you.
1: I mean, you just said there that it's not, you said it's not about about me, it's about you. But it's about us. That's mm. the point. It is about us. It doesn't matter what problems that we have got we have a mutual problem uh, you know with addiction the, the word problems doing quite a lot of leg work there
0: <laughs> a lot um, of heavy lifting <laughs>
1: <yeah>. <laughs> you know what? exerting is not a strong point
0: but the fact is uh, I used is, to say oh sometimes I've got a drink problem like no you're just a fucking alcoholic probably. yeah can't
1: stop that's the problem <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I um, the, I think the, the fact is, is is it is us They're, all of these things that I have these cracks that I've got falling all over my brain They are a thing. They're a thing. There are are so many books everywhere that, with titles and words that make no sense, that are saying, "This is the thing. This is the thing." And it's not like a cold reading uh, sort of, like sort of magic sort of thing. It's not. It's going. There have been enough people in the world to say they feel like this that we've learnt about that we've written literal textbooks about it. Mm -hmm. But, and this is what I found really difficult. It's taken me really ages to work out is. Nobody else has made the mistakes I've made. They're mine. So, my, the way that I, that these things have come out of me. It's entirely unique. Mm. So even though it's like it's like my, it's like my brain found a loophole. Yeah, yeah I know yeah, there's yeah. loads of info. Yeah, yeah I yeah, know yeah. that. Yeah, the unstable moods, you're getting angry. Yeah, but nobody's beating themselves up in a casino and then yeah. tried to get uh, steal money from them. Yeah, like sorry, a, a really specific reference with no context there. Sorry, but yes, it's, it's in the book. Awful Day by the book. Ta- up um, Your brain
0: finds a loophole still in the fact that you know there are other people like you, but it's like yeah, but they haven't done that. That's it. Yes.
1: And that's the thing is, I have done awful shit. Mm-hmm. The reason for the awful shit was a thing. The thing was not a choice. It is, it, but it, it is my responsibility. It's my responsibility. I can't, I, I, I've spent so long sort of walking around hating everything because everybody hates me. Nobody hates me. There are a couple of people that don't like, this is what I've like, learned. Nobody hates me. There are a couple of people that don't like me. I would certainly imagine, I'm sure it's putting it lightly for a few. But I am the only person that doesn't want me to be here. And I I don't feel that. Mm. But I I, am not an idiot. And I would be an idiot to have been talking about this for as long as I have, to have been living through the addiction with my family, to get to this point and believe my head when it says that everybody would be better without you here... That's being an idiot. I've looked at enough people like you that think that I am not a twat. And the reason that I've started to be all right with it is, unfortunately, I disagree with you. I don't think that. Mm. But just because I don't believe it doesn't mean that you don't mean it. Mm -hmm. And I know that. Mm. So... It, that, that is essentially what gets me through my day is the fact that I know whenever I leave a room my brain is going to paint an angry face on yours you weren't angry but I will leave and I will immediately think Bryony Gordon hates you God, that went awful didn't it I can't remember what you said but it was, it was worse and it will snowball it will snowball mm. and if, like Giles, Giles in three days I'd, like, I'll, be, I'll just be sitting having a Nando's and my brain will be like Giles the producer he hates you he hates you he hates you You like, hang on I'm trying to eat chicken thighs leave yeah, yeah, me yeah. alone but yeah. I, I, I expect all of these things now.
0: But I wanted to talk to you about the you you broached so the kind of the suicidal the kind of what you explain so beautifully is you know we need to talk about suicide more. And what you really do is you talk about the mundanity actually of 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 your suicidal thoughts, like the the, the kind of the norm, just the constant low level kill yourself. Yeah. How might you kill yourself? Yeah. Because I think we think of suicidal thoughts as or I can't go on, that's it, you know, and you come to some sort of like there's a there's a there's a moment and the you know, and you go right, that's and it's not it's it's so you explain it all so well. And that also it's not just an absent like wanting to not feel the way you feel. It's also that you actually think that your suicide would be a gift to everyone around you.
1: Mm. Yes, hundred percent. Hundred percent. I know it's not true. I know it's not true, and again, it's always very important to say I am not going to kill myself. If I was going to kill myself, I would have killed myself a long time ago. I'm not going to kill myself, but 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 you you in front of me and whoever is listening to us talk that, that they are exclusively the reasons that I'm not going to kill myself. It's my responsibility. I've got to get to wherever I'm going now. But this is my. I tried everything else, so now I, listen. I'm not got to be. I've, I I don't open with it. I really don't, and I, I, and I don't. I'm not defined by it. A hundred percent, but I've got to talk about these things. I have to talk about them, mm. and I have to talk about them in the same way that we talk about flu, mm. because that's what it is. That's what it is. It, like it's it's it, it's beyond me why people because I mean be, when when you when you feel literal pain if you cut your, if you whatever it is you feel that it's called a nervous system. Mm. That's what it's called, but there's still a stigma around having that, um, that much of a problem. Every mental, every mental illness will turn into a physical one. Mm-hmm. Every single one. just depends how long you leave it. Yeah, okay. And, and it's devastating for people to not be able to get help or anything like that. But, mm-hmm. th- th- but this work, uh, there is not, uh, you've got to put effort in. Mm. But with everything happening around us in the world mm-hmm. now... What I'm going to try and take from whatever happens this week with that, work, that book going out into the world, I'm not going to die. And I've done the kindest thing I can for me, mm-hmm. which is, looks weird, sounds weird, but it's just telling everybody my worst bits. That's the kind of thing I could do mm-hmm. because I am, my worst bits are just a massive bat and I just keep on hitting myself with it. Mm-hmm. And, it, and, and it's, the, the bat is getting bigger. Yeah. <laughs> and every time I do it, I'm getting smaller and more tired and more dead. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's happening. I've been taught to exist in a world where we talk about problems. And we, I'm watching the entire world not talk about the problems. And I understand that it's difficult to sort of to understand where do we go, what do we do? But why is nobody saying anything Yeah. Why is nobody saying anything? So, essentially, I didn't understand the old world. Yeah. But I think I do understand this new one. Yeah. Which is not a good thing. Yeah. (laughs) But I do know that if if we're leaving the old world, going into whatever we're doing, the best thing I can do for me is take my worst bits and leave them there as well. You know?
0: Hmm.
1: 'Cause I don't know what's gonna happen, I don't know where we're gonna be. I don't know I don't I don't know. I don't yeah, yeah, yeah. know. All I know is is I'm here now. And I'm glad you are. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. And I just Yeah. I'm glad that I'm here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for asking me to come on.
0: Thanks for coming on. So, I've,
1: I've got more questions. I'm uh, not, I don't know why I'm I rounded not. it off. No, I, not, I've got nowhere else to be.
0: Uh, I've got, I've got
1: there's, um, <laughs> I'm immediately uh, feeling bad. I'm immediately. No, uh, I said, Brian, do you think you can try to get off now?
0: Don't. <laughs> Don't. I want to tell you that yeah. you will not. I Absolutely. You're wonderful. And I'm so grateful that you are here. That was something that I wanted to ask you there. So yeah. So why aren't people talking about this stuff? You touch on this in the book. So you say, I often find myself out of tune with the general public discussion on mental health, where it seems it's okay to open up about mental health, but only the fluffy end of things. Go for a walk, take up a hobby, fine. I've tried that. I still want to kill myself. So we live in this weird place, don't we, where people are talking about their feelings and their true selves and their being the authentic truth, whatever. But we're still not talking about this kind of stuff. About, you know, we talk about mental health, but actually we really need to be talking about mental illness. Yeah. You know, about the darkness. Yeah. And... I think there's an assumption that we've sort of ticked the mental health box and everything's better, but it's it's not. We still have very few effective treatment plans. There's no effective treatment immediately available to people in this country or in any country that I really know of. Yes. And obviously people want, they want a way to know how to feel better. That's really, really normal. And going for a walk does, you know, it can help people and it can shift a bit. Good on you. But what this does is it... You know, it, it goes
1: It goes really dark. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because he is different. Again, like all of those things, the, I say it in the book, but trying to fix my brain by writing a gratitude list is like trying to remove a tumour with a fucking spoon. It's yeah. not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And with everything that we're doing at the moment, it's like, the problem, the problem, whatever those, those, those world, you know, fixes that go for a jog, look at the nuts, have some fruit, whatever it is, or, you know, pick the phone up and talk to somebody. But what, what I hate the fact that the, the, the main sort of like thing to help people with mental health or illness is um, that you're not alone because mm. like I am all the time. Mm. Like, I'm constantly at home on my own. And I know that's a really literal way to look at it. But whenever I see shit like that, I'm like, yeah, but you're not on your own. And, and, you know, when people say things, nice positive things, like, you know, when you get tweets and somebody like, hey, stop scrolling. I just wanted you to know that you are fantastic. You are worth it. And my head is like, well, I'm not even going to finish the end of the sentence because you don't know me. Yeah, yeah. But I do understand and accept that there are so many people around the world that that is enough help for them. Mm. And that's and that, and that's okay. That has to, that, and, and that's the thing is so I, it's not about stopping that. It's just, I wish that I, 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 we just need something else as well. because not only is the problem getting worse, there was a much bigger problem tied to that stuff, even when the national international uh, sort of conversation around mental health was changing. It's like it's like there being a new hay fever. I get hay fever. I get hay fever. It's like the best thing that I can treat my hay fever with is cetirizine. It's like there was a like just one day, there was just a massive new bit of hay fever that turns up, and it's ten times worse. Mm-hmm. But nobody looking for a new tablet for it because they've already got cetirizine. Well, I would just take the cetirizine because that's that's the hay fever tablet. You like, no, but my hay fever's I've got it's it's gotten really bad. I can't feel my skin. Mm. Oh, yeah, but no, we've got cetirizines uh, there. Look, you get three for one. That's fine. And unfortunately, when you are in uh, a mental illness point of view, they, it's very, very difficult to explain yourself mm. because you can, you're constantly walking around underneath your symptoms. Mm. So it, it's, it's really, really difficult. I wasn't able to do it. I wasn't able to do it for a really long time. It depends what day you catch me. Thankfully, uh, you're lovely. Everybody here is lovely. And today's the day that I can speak. Mm. That is not every day. Mm. That is, If anything, I can't speak on the vast majority of them.
0: So what are the things you do? Like, what what do you try and do to manage? Like, obviously, you don't drink, you don't take drugs. Do you take medication?
1: Yeah, I don't anymore.
0: Okay, I
1: don't anymore. Um, uh, I've, I've, I've suffer with insomnia, so very, very, very rarely do I go to doctor... Uh, my, my doctor's called Dr Ronnie. he's lovely, I've got him on WhatsApp. You know you're ill when you've got your doctor's WhatsApp. <laughs> so occasionally that, but I stopped... I was on so many antidepressants, antipsychotics. They're so important. They're as important as a, as, as a plaster on a broken arm. It's you, you need these things. Some people need them forever. Some people try to come off them. Some people, it doesn't help at all. I was so fucked up. And I, I was uh, there was a level of fucked upness that I was achieving day on day um, when I was seeing my psychiatrist and stuff like that, particularly when I was clean and sober, where I just... I was bringing him loads of new mental shit that I'd made up that I wasn't necessarily sure whether or not I'd made it up. I meant it. But then he'd give me another tablet, and then he'd he'd up something, and he'd up that and up that. And for me, it got to a point where I knew I was going to kill myself. And, you know, I've been to that point three times, and I I knew I was going to kill myself, so it's either kill myself or find something else to do. Mm -hmm. I found something else to do. Thankfully, I asked for help, and I managed to get off of the, the... Antipsychotics, antidepressants, which took me a long time, and I came down off of them purely so I could start again with a clean so you slate. Could... You know, because again, with and stuff like that, is you can't just you can't just stop doing it. No, you can't do it. No, if you think you're mental now,
0: try come try stopping the meds oh, immediately.
1: It's so yeah. dangerous. But for me, I was just like, so I'm going to reset, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna try and find another tablet that works and it took me it took me nearly 2 months to come down of everything sort of reducing the, the milligrams over mm. a course of you know weeks and i um and i remember that i i was like when came up, i came off like okay great so i'll just leave it for a couple of weeks and i'll see what happens and in that couple of weeks what the thing that i had not experienced which i had experienced but i didn't know about it is uh, dissociation mm-hmm. i didn't know about that i did not know about dissociation being a thing i was not aware of and what i was speaking to you earlier about with when I, when i took the money and with that sort of creating an alternative reality that's dissociation. It is being unconnected to the things, uh, people, everything around you. And I thought, oh, well, that's weird. I remember I was filming. I was filming. I was filming. Uh, 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 I was in, uh, like I don't know, some, it's a premiere in in Real or something. I remember being like, oh, I felt like my brain was a room. And I, I felt like I was walking around. It's like I could hear the, the footsteps and, uh, like, just around the things. And I, and I was like, this is weird. And then I noticed that Mick turned up. Uh, and there are a few doors, different things that you come out of. And um, I just thought, oh, well, I'll, hang on, I'll just see what this is. So then I'll bring back the, you know, and then, then I'll find a good antidepressant. And that's four years ago. Mm-hmm. I've never taken another one purely because uh, I would never, ever rem- recommend stopping medication. I would never recommend being ashamed of medication. I recommend was the wrong word to use then. But it, I, it, it's a thing. And for me, it's a thing that had a use up until a certain point. And then with a view to change, I stopped it. But essentially what I am doing now is I, I live in that symptom. That my, my main symptom, even though I feel like my main symptom is thinking about killing myself, it's not. My main symptom is dissociation.
0: Okay.
1: And the way that I try and view it is that dissociation is a good thing for me because... I have a lot of insane thoughts, but the sanest thing about me is the fact that I know they are insane. If I was not aware of the fact, of the level of insanity my brain is capable of creating on a day-by-day basis, then I would die. Unfortunately, this is what I am. Hopefully one day I'll wake up and he doesn't come back. I always, I do always hope for that. I have that, and some days, not many. I can only ever think of four, and I'm 34, so that you know that is not many days. Um, but I always hope that one day he'll be gone. Mm-hmm. He might never go, but the worst thing I could do is pretend that I'm all right now, because I'm not. History tells me that I'm not all right, and history tells me that even if I feel all right. At some point, I'm going to be not all right. Mm-hmm. Because of course I am. Because it's life and shit changes. As it, it's, oh, Everything is going to change. It's not always going to change for the better. And I think as a race, we uh, humans have been spoilt by stories and films. Because there's always a happy ending. Mm-hmm. So obviously everybody's just walking around going, so at some point it's going to be good. It's going to be fine. Oh, shit. Not sure. Don't know. I don't know how it's going to be. I don't know how... But the only thing I can do in my life is control whether or not I leave it. That's the only thing I've got to do. It's really hard. It's really hard. Again, because I don't like me. That's not... It's a human thing to respond to something. You, you, You say something, particularly something negative about you, in the real world, society, you say, I hate myself. Other person goes... No, no, but you're brilliant. Yeah, I I know you. That it's not an accident that you think that. Mm. It's there. I'm aware of that. But humans have to respond, Mm. so they have to either say that, "No, you're nice," or provide uh, some sort of uh, fix for you. Mm -hmm. So you go, "I hate myself." Oh, yeah, but you're already really good. Have you thought about, uh, you know, going to do this, this artwork, do do this drawing, and that doesn't that doesn't achieve. It doesn't achieve anything. At all.
0: So knowing other people think you're brilliant, think that you're brilliant doesn't change the way
1: you view yourself? No. And I, and I need to be able to go up to people. Again, not straight away, but society, not even society, relationships, relate all relationships need to know that it's okay to say, I don't like me. Mm-hmm. That's just a fact. It's not, it is not up for debate. It's, it's, I don't the quicker that I can say that and yeah, you can yeah. go, okay, and that we both move on, I have an opportunity to have a day. Just knowing the fact that, and it's really hard. It's really, really hard. And I'm very, very lucky because I really thought when I started talking about this stuff and started talking about suicide in the same uh, you know, tone as ordering chicken nuggets, I thought that it would catch on. <laughs> but it hasn't. Mm. It hasn't caught on. And that's... I was shocked about that. But the fact is, is this is what's keeping me alive now.
0: Mm. So that thing of just being able to exist, just accepting the fact that you hate yourself
1: and just let me, just let me, just let me be. Yes, because also, that's the... Because the thing is, without understanding that, everything else is awful. The, 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 The happy days... Happy days—I use happy loosely. It's not, but like d- d- days, a better day for me is that I will, uh, uh, if I'm with my girlfriend or family, whatever it is, wherever I am, I will. Uh, I will feel like it is a battle to show people my okayness, mm-hmm. because uh, I know that I spend more days awful than I do okay. So It's exhausting. Yeah, it's exhausting. <laughs> but also, when you're, if you're uh, like, if I'm feeling happy, my brain, Mick, is like that. Don't, don't, don't tell anybody you're happy. Yeah, it's shame. No, yeah, yeah. Don't tell it. No, no. That's well done, you. Glad you're happy. Don't tell people, because if you tell people, you know, when you get shit again, they won't believe you. They'll think you're lying. Yeah. So what I ended up doing was I was I was unhappy, and unwell eighty percent of the time, but I was using that twenty percent to sort of keep myself in that in that in that that okayness mm-hmm. lie. Yeah, like I, I was I, Because I didn't want anybody to not believe me. Mm. But the people around me deserve my okay days as much as I do. Mm. Uh, they put a lot of love and, and and care and support into me and my days. Um, and even though I don't feel the things that they, you know, are doing, I do know that they are being sincere and that the reason they, they put all of that help into my worst days is so I might be given the opportunity of better days. Mm-hmm. So, and really other people are, are one of the, the, the main reasons that I, I'm here. So if I have a better day, that is quite literally a gift to them because the only reason that they were with me on the bad ones is in the hope that they might be able to be with me on the good ones. Mm-hmm. So it's so cruel to deny yourself okay days. Mm. My friends and family have been around me long enough to know that I'm not well, <laughs> and they are. And, and one positive, okay-ish day, and I say okay-ish because I never feel great. I never feel good. I'm just here. That's not. There's nothing I can do about that. I'm just here. But I'm also here, mm. and
0: this is it. That's fucking great that you're here. This is
1: it. And I, 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 don't, I don't, I don't, I don't love it. I don't, not Not the things, the difficulties. But the fact is, and this is it, because these are, these are things that would be classed as attention-seeking things. Get it? Absolutely. They are attention-seeking things. I am seeking your attention to listen to my awful things and understand that there is... It, it's not in my best interest to say these things on paper, literally. But it is. Because I just need to be able to move on. I deserve to be able to move on. You can't let go of something that you're not holding. You've got to pick it up. So I I made a thing that I can pick up and now you've got it. And I've forgotten that people are eating it. Double edged sword, <laughs> because I, as soon as you came, that was the first thing you said to me, you've read, read your book, and that, like that had not occurred to me. That, at no point <laughs> did, you think did, I I did I think, bright, I didn't think you would know. Of course not. Why <laughs> would you? Like it's just not on my radar. I wake up every day. I'm like a goldfish, but instead of five minutes, it's entire days. Yeah, I'm yeah. like the, I'm like. Have you seen the film Fifty First Dates? Yeah, I'm like that. I'm like Drew Barrymore on that, but instead of just a relationship, I forget everything awful I've done and treat all problems like they're news. Mm. And the fact that, uh, that that you have read all of those things, and that you, for me, the fact that you related to them, that's 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 enough for me. That's enough for me, because I, that book exists, so I can I can at least try some sort of uh, a, a betterness.
0: Yeah, moving on.
1: Yes, and if and if and if if the in saying that. If the book then helps somebody else that's done awful things in their life, or somebody that is a parent or a friend or a loved one, whatever it is, that doesn't understand how somebody could start doing that, I'm not saying you're going to agree with it. You, you know, I'm sure there are people that are like me that might might read the book and go, "Actually, fuck that, he's a wanker." Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I agree that. So, like, the, the main thing of that is, I just want to, I want to get rid of it, and hopefully, people might be able to get rid of some of their shit as well.
0: Can I give it back to you for a moment and ask you... As
1: long as you take it back again at the end. (laughs)
0: Okay. Can I ask you to... uh, I wondered if there was a little bit that you could read to sort of end on almost. Now I need to find it. Yeah. Because it really stuck with me. Yeah.
1: Uh, I wanted to tell you um, that... um, uh, I don't read. I, 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 I own I own books that you have written, oh. and I have not read any of them. I don't read <laughs> any books, but I wrote a uh, in that first year that I was speaking about this. I wrote a thing about meetings and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and you um and you you uh, a quote tweeted it. And uh, you said, um, I forget the nice thing you said at the beginning, but um, uh, you said, please read this uh, uh, because, uh, as Joe says, uh, meetings can be uh, hope with legs and a face, which is uh, a phrase that I had written, that I had that I had done, and that was in really early sort of learning about Mick, and I saw that you that you'd said that, and I followed you, and in my head I lodged, this is a lady that that, that likes what you've done. Has singled out a thing of what you've done mm-hmm. and said, "This is good and this helps." Mm-hmm. Thank you for oh, that.
0: Thank you.
1: I, I, I've never forgotten it, so um, thank you. Thank really you. does
0: help. <clears throat> Hope with legs and a face. I remember that so clearly because I was very early on in my sobriety. Yeah. Um. um thank
1: you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a hug afterwards. That's, that's all right. Okay. That's fine. I, I like hugs. That's good. Um, just this bit here. That's it. From there all the way to the end of the chat. All the way to that bit there. Is that all right? Yeah, of course it is, yeah. Um, If someone is uh, not quite in the place uh, that gets a bit awkward, we need to start sucking it up. Their life is worth more than our embarrassment. If you're reading this and you've ever felt like you want to kill yourself or even feeling like that now, wait for a bit. And that's my key to those feelings that make you want to do something that's very hard to undo. Just wait for a bit. Um, that's never going to be on an inspirational poster. Tattooists don't constantly get asked to put wait for a bit in Chinese characters. But it has been a key for me. And even though I I can tell you what's worked for me, every time I've felt suicidal, I've waited for a bit and the thoughts have died down a little, poor choice of words, and I haven't killed myself. We know that it can be the smallest things that prevent a suicide. The train that somebody planned to jump in front of was cancelled and it was too cold to wait for the next one, so they went home. And and such are the little things that can save a life. But the problem is that such are the succession of mundane things that only need to happen once. Wait for a bit. And while it might not stop you feeling that way again, it will give you an opportunity to find out about other feelings. If you wait for a bit, another feeling will come along. I'm not going to pretend it's going to be a good one straight away, but it will be a different one. And if you wait for a bit more, another one might come along. And if you wait for long enough, the likelihood of one of them being a better one does go up. Whereas if you do it, that's it. You won't be around to see the other nicer life that everyone will have without you in it. You won't get to enjoy not being you. You just won't be. The maths on that is 100% certain. There will never, ever be another feeling. Imagine all of the people who will ever read this sentence. None of us want you to do it. Every single time somebody gets to this part of the book, they don't want you to do it. We would rather have you in the world because you in the world means there's a chance of something else happening. I know it's hard to hold on when you feel hopeless, but try and remember the word hopeless doesn't actually mean no hope. It means less hope. You might have less hope than you've had in the past, but you've only got no hope when you're dead, which you're not. So please wait for a bit. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you, Joe Shoshini. You're amazing. (laughs) Even if you don't think so, (laughs) I do.